Welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm your guest host, Woody Joseph, filling in for Danielle this week. Um, This week, I'll be giving you the male perspective of the seven-year wait, which wasn't really a wait for me. It was more like the trials and the fails of dating. (laughs) The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Thank you again for joining. And as you can tell with this new intro, I have a special guest on this week's episode of the Infertility Podcast. I would like you to hear the voice of the man of my life, Woody Joseph. He is my hubby, and I would like him to tell you a little bit about himself before I interview him. Wow. Did she really just say interview? Um, (laughs) When she asked me to be on the show, I didn't know it was going to actually be an interview. Uh, So again, my name is Woody Joseph. I am 35 years old, an educator. I work at a local university here in Orlando, um, working with student programs and activities. I work with uh, fraternities and sororities there. We've been married for, which is a very important part of my life, we've been married for about three years and a half, Um, and really, we're just about that halfway mark, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so that's pretty awesome. Um, What else? I think that uh, life has been good overall. We've definitely had some bumps along the road, but marriage is good. Yo, don't believe all the scary things. <laughs> I didn't say easy, but marriage is good, yo. You, you, you got to definitely give it up to um, a good household. And I think that a woman makes the household. A man may lead it, but a woman makes it. So got to give it up to the wife. Thank you so much. I'm very humbled by that. Um, so this is a continuation of the seven-year wait. So this is a seven-year wait part two. So we can hear the side of my husband and so you know that old saying there's uh his side her side and the truth so based on what you hear from the last podcast and this one you can kind of determine where the truth lies um our love story you know I love that saying that says um every love story is beautiful but mine is um ours is our favorite And I can truly say that we have a rich history that goes, um, what do you, what is it, babe? Like more than like 10, 12. At this point? Yeah. We're around, uh, uh, 14 years. Yes. So 13 years, 13 years. We've known each other for quite some time. Um, we've, uh, we started off as friends and it just blossomed into what it is today. But today I want to really focus on the seven-year wait. Uh, We will definitely have um, Woody back on the podcast to discuss infertility. 
But because, you know, I started off talking about the seven-year wait, I thought this was the best time to have him on um, to give his perspective on the seven-year wait and um, the male view of the waiting season and how difficult it can be um, for men or not so difficult. We're about to find out and give him the opportunity to um, speak up on his experience on the seven-year wait. So my first question, and let me back up. Um, I want you to be as honest as possible. <laughs> she says that, right? Y'all yeah. heard her, right? So, okay. You well, know, you know the rule. If I'm going to be honest, you can't hold it against me. We'll see about that. <laughs> um, and I'm taking notes. Uh, for truth and transparency, I did not listen to your seven-year wait. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want it to influence. I know you told me you wanted me to be on here, so I yeah. didn't want it to influence my perspective, or I didn't want to have to sit here and correct all the things <laughs> you made up about me. Yeah, sure. Made up. His side, her side, and the truth, so you guys can decide. Um, so my first question, and I really um, went into death uh, a little bit um, about this on the seven year wait part one. And it was really the mindset after the breakup. So I talked about the ebbs and flows of emotions I experienced after the breakup. So the first question I have for you is what was your mindset after the breakup? Um, was there a difference from, you know, year one of us breaking up to year seven? Um, so tell me a little bit about, your emotions, your mindset after we had broken up, um, really after I graduated college. So are you talking immediately after or like the whole seven years? So you can go into immediately after and then progressing through the seven year wait. Well, I, w I want to say that I felt I was in the seven year wait. I don't know if Woody felt that he was in a quote unquote waiting um, season let us be clear. But you you go ahead. You answer. There we go with that pressure. Y'all hear that, right? Um, so I think if I had to say immediately after what my mindset was, was I think I was asking God for clarity. Okay. Um, because, again, we didn't break up necessarily on bad terms. Okay. But I don't, I I don't think that we had a clear understanding of like, we knew it wasn't the right time. We didn't know why it wasn't the right time. Right. Like there was a lot of why doesn't this feel right? Um, versus, you know, this is a good person. And, and there's a lot of things to that. You know, I've come to the understanding of a, a friend of mine used to say the enemy of right is good. Mm. And being that just cause something is good doesn't mean that it's right. Very good. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a person, but could, it could be a time. Mm. It may seem like a good time, but if you stick with it, you'll ruin something that could have happened, been better at the right time. You preaching? Uh, not really. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. And so, um, I, uh, I think immediately after there was just a moment of, of, of trying to figure that out. What would, what would the right person be like, um, today? What would it be like? what would I need to to see in somebody to know that it was right? Because if you weren't right, I wasn't sure who would be. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want me- so it was always kind of a comparison thing. Like, this is what I thought was right. Um, now I'm meeting this next person. Does it match up with what I was, what I thought was right? Is it better than what I thought was right? That sort of thing. So keep your, keep your ego small. Don't get all big headed <laughs> in here. Um, I think, um, unfair to every woman I dated after you, mm-hmm. there was, they were always compared to you. You know, when you have the best. I said deflate. Um, <laughs> No, I, I compared every woman to you, and I think that's because I knew that I, that I had something good. And it's not to say anything about negative about the women. In fact, I'll be the first to say I was blessed because um, I dated some pretty amazing women during that time period. Um, really smart, really ambitious, but they were good. They weren't right. And I mm. always felt like I was comparing them to you because even though it wasn't the right time, you always felt like the right person. And so this goes back to it being a good thing versus a God thing. Right, right, yeah. right. So I'm really big on that in the past um, year. I have really been looking at my life and saying, okay, is this a good thing or is it a God thing? And I have had to weed out um, certain things, certain opportunities, even certain friendships, you know, partnerships. Like, is this a good thing or is this a God thing? And so I really like that you brought up the fact that, you know, you had to make that determination of whether it was good or God. Did you face any types of emotions? So I talked about the roller coaster of emotions I went through as I experienced this season of waiting, I, for myself, um, even though I went through a cycle of dating for my seven years, that cycle of dating was really like literally less than six months. Um, and then after that, I really went back to myself and to God and like, okay, that was wrong. Let me get back on track. Um, did you face any emotions? Um, during that seven year wait, whether it's fear, whether it was sadness, you know, during that seven year wait, as you look back now, were there any emotions that you felt? So (laughs) you say you went through the seven year wait. I guess I went through the seven year date. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're going to get to that, but go ahead. Um, I, I mean, with, with everyone who I dated, Everyone who I dealt with, um, whether short term or long term, it's like I felt God was giving me a realization about me mm. in that. And so I learned a lot about myself, a lot about what I liked, what I didn't like. Mm. I learned about my temperament. Mm. Um, and there were seasons of quietness, I guess that I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, silent seasons. Yep. That that silent season of, of where I wasn't dating. And, and it was really about self-exploration and, and self-development and mm-hmm. self-growth. Um, and so I found myself just going through those different time periods and emotions and, and trying to figure out who I am and what God wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think I turned my head away from God. Mm. And when you turn your head away from God, you get, listen, listen, there's a we couple know. of Delilahs out we, there that we, were not good 
for um for you. There's a couple of them that were not good for you. You know, and I we was know the story about Jonah. Yeah, I didn't want to get caught in the belly of the well okay. and not looking away like Lot's wife. Now, okay. Now see, there I go preaching. Now, but I just found myself at times where I felt pull, like I was pulling away from God out of confusion. Mm. Um, and every time that would happen, I would get more self exploration. He wow. would he would he would grow me in a sense. A little bit more and and some of those came in the most interesting fashions <laughs> we're gonna try to get into that you you scratching the service but i feel like there's something deeper in there but um you talked about self-development um self-growth during the seven-year wait so i want to know were there any goals that you had during the seven-year wait so for me um i talked about in part one about achieving uh, my master's degree and my license in ministry at the same time. There were uh, goals that I had with my career. So tell me a little bit about the goals that you had during that seven-year wait, only because I think it's important that um, our listeners think about, even though they're in this silent season or this period of time, there's something that is so much greater that we need to think about, and there's so much to achieve um, during the waiting season. So what goals um, do you want to share that you had during the seven-year wait? You know, I'm, I don't think per se that I set the goals. Okay. As much as the, the goals set, the goals found me. Okay. Um, you know, I graduated from undergrad, recognizing I didn't want a career in finance after working in a bank. Mm -hmm. uh, and somebody offered me the opportunity to work on campus in financial aid. And through service, and service has always been a big part of my life since I was young, and through servicing the students on campus, I found a passion for higher education. Mm. And so with that, I went after a, de um, a degree in higher ed, mm -hmm. um, which started my career path. Mm -hmm. I had always had ambitions, I don't know why, of living in North Carolina. <laughs> um, and so... Once I graduated, this job search began, and there were some things happening in education in the state of Florida that I wasn't fond of. Okay. Some of the way the policies were making out, and now I, looking back, it happens everywhere. Right. But because of that, I found that as a perfect time to go explore something different. And so I moved to North Carolina mm -hmm. not knowing anyone. Right. And That's so brave. Listen, and so it, luckily for me, um, I ended up having one childhood friend. We're a few years apart, but we knew each other. Our families knew each other. And um, in fact, his father was one of the people who came up with me my freshman year when I moved into my residence hall. And okay. so he happened to just move there as well. So here we are, the both of us. Um, New place, new place, new, yes. new things. Mm -hmm. And while we were growing into knowing each other as well as we did, it was still me on, out on my own. And so I had a lot of time on my own. He was he was in school getting another master's degree while I was working. And so we were on two different paths, per se. Mm -hmm. And so my goal there was to grow and to learn and, and develop and I, I never read so many books right at that point um I never worked out in the gym so much Listen. and I'm not quite sure that my prayer life was ever stronger mm -hmm. than it was then at that time period 
partly because I struggled finding a church home. Okay. Um, and North Carolina does have some great churches, but there's no place like a home. Mm-hmm. And so I, my prayer life, when I couldn't, when I struggled finding a church home, I turned to fasting and praying mm-hmm. a lot more. Doesn't mean I make some dumb decisions along the way, but I did <laughs> fast and pray a lot more. Yeah, and I love that you said that, um, especially because you stated that you didn't listen to um, part one, which you should be ashamed of because this is your wife's podcast. So I hope you plan to binge here all of the the podcasts that you missed. But I love the fact that you said that you felt during that season that your spiritual life was at the greatest. Um, because that is something that I said on part one in, in the waiting ser- season in my season of singleness, when I fully surrendered to God, that is when I felt the closest to him. Um, that was when my prayer life was lit lit. That was when I was, you know, in services, attending conferences, um, you know, going into different organizations to better myself and. Um, that is a season where I really had the time um, to dedicate to God. And I think it becomes increasingly difficult um, to really carve out that time, especially when you're, you're married. And for those of you who have children, it becomes increasingly different, difficult, but it's important that we still carve out that time, irregardless of where we are uh, married single, divorced, widowed, whatever the case may be, that we're making that time for God. So I love that, the fact that um, you said that. So my le- next question is, what were some of the learnings that you had during the seven-year wait? What did you learn? What do you feel that you learned, whether it's a, about yourself, about other people, whatever the case may be? Like, what did you really learn in that season? And what are some gems that you can share with my listeners that you took out of that season. So your learnings, your gems, things that um, stood out to you um, in that season. So I know I said that there's some amazing women out there. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned is some of y'all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you nah. know, some of us have a little tinge of crazy, but no, nah, some of y'all need, we need to fast and pray over some of y'all. Cause um, oh, goodness. y'all not, re- y'all not right with the Lord. Jesus. <laughs> um, no, nah, I think some of the things that I took away is, um, to definitely trust the process. Mm. Uh, I think that trusting the process is extremely important. Um, yeah, because, because I learned so much and in the midst of it, it's kind of like you can't see right what's right in front of you. None of us can see if something's on our nose mm. or on our forehead because it's too close for us to see it. Wow, but that wow. doesn't mean that it's not making some form of an impact or some form of uh, an effect on us. And so that process, because I was going through it, you know, the change of environment, the change of job, mm. um, dating people who's completely from a different culture because I was born and raised in, well, not born, but raised in Florida. Um, I was used to a certain culture of people Mm. and here I am living in Carolina, which was very different. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just learned to become, honestly, one of the main things I learned is that 
at some point you got to recognize that you ha- you have to be solely dependent on God. Yes. Um, when you look around you, you know, out of sight, out of mind means a real thing. It, it, it really means something to those of us who move to someplace new because we start to recognize how alone we can be. And right. so um, God really showed up and, and created a bond with me in that time um, that will cause me to never leave his side. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I think that I learned to to manage my money mm, better. Okay. I, I, I felt like you were always good with your money. I was frugal. Yes. And now I'm better. So it's so funny. I, I want to put a pin there real quick. Um, when we were dating in undergrad, I remember the boys, which is home team, and, and home team is the group of boys that young um, men, I should say, are men at this point because they're all over, the, over their 30s, um, that, that Woody grew up with. They all would say that um, Woody would be, you know, very frugal. He's very frugal with his money. And they knew he loved me because he would spend his money. Um, which I thought was always interesting because Fellas I always, don't do that. I, I felt like you were always, you, you still are really good with your money, but you spend where you need to spend, you know? Um, but I love the fact that you learned, um, different tactics, uh, during that season in, as it relates to your finances. Yeah. I think really you, t- I took that time to learn a balance of self mm-hmm. and understanding, um, again, I learned to manage my money. I learned a lot of, through reading. I learned a lot about physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I just took, it, it was an opportunity for me to grow a lot. I, again, dating in itself, I learned a lot about the type of women I like, the type of women I would um, n- never date again if you paid <laughs> me. Um, I just, I, it, it was really good to just take some time and not re- really take some time, but I had to get to a point. And, and I think that this is something, you know, a lot of people say things like you make time for what you want or what's important to you. I don't necessarily agree with that. Just the same as I don't always agree that, um, just the same that I do agree that you can't change someone. Mm. I think you can be at the right place at the right time for when someone is ready to change. And I think that you sacrifice at some point in life, you have to choose what you're willing to sacrifice. And a lot of people want to say that you, you make time for what you want, but you have to, what it depends on what's going on in that person's life for what they're willing to sacrifice Mm. for that. Somebody couldn't have been working for 10 years for a goal. And then you come along and you're like, well, drop that and Mm. pay attention to me because they worked for 10 years for that and it might not be where it, they wanted to be, mm-hmm. but you're, they're not ready to sacrifice that for you. And so, um, God just put me in a place where I had to sacrifice some things. I had to sacrifice some decisions. I had to sacrifice money. Mm-hmm. I had to sacrifice a lot of different things. One, to become the person that I am mm-hmm. Two, So he could see if I would be willing to sacrifice it for him. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, three to get me where I needed to be. So when my wife came back around, I was in a better position to sacrifice for her. Yes. And um, you're saying some really good points. So trust the process. Um, You talked about the balance of self. 
you talk the importance about reading, you know, and I think that that's really important during the waiting season is self-improvement, self-growth, self-development, reading books, you know, get, you know, I think you're, you are the one that really got me into podcasts and listening to podcasts to better myself. Um, you talked about physical, not only physical health, but mental health, which is very, very important. And, um, timing is everything. And I think that's like the underlining theme with our, um, love story is the fact that it is, it was all about timing. Like we both agreed that we needed the seven year wait. We needed that time apart in order to grow. Because if you think about, um, the age that we dated, we dated an undergrad. So you're talking about 22 year olds, what, 23. Um, and you, you want to make a life decision, a life commitment to someone at such a young age. We really needed that time apart to grow, to learn, um, to really, for me personally, to walk in the purpose that God had for me. Um, I remember someone told me like, you know, in your single, in your season of singleness, God wants you to walk in your purpose so that when your mate finds you, you are doing your purpose. If you think about Ruth and Boaz, Ruth was in the, you know, wheat in the fields. She was working. She wasn't just sitting idle. You know what I mean? She was working. And so, um, it's important to work towards those goals, work towards those aspirations and know that your mate will find you exactly where you need to be. Now, I think that the thing is, though, we got to be real because I think it's kind of like we got to be careful not to make something sound easier oh, than yeah, it is. <laughs> um, people, that's kind of like the person who's looking for a job telling somebody else they don't want to work where they work. Um, I ain't got no money for rent and yes. I'm hungry and I'll work anywhere. Stop telling me that. And so um, when we say that you have to, you know, wait and things like that, at least in my opinion, um, it's kind of like in Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time and place for everything. And so, and I truly believe that. Um, and when I say that, it, it's when we say, when I say wait or trust the process, it's not meaning that it won't be difficult. And when we say that, just get in the weeds of things, I'm not telling you go sit in a corner to read your Bible for, for 24, 20 out of the 24 hours in a day. I read books like David Ramsey, Total Money. I read The 16 Personalities. I read books that were were about self-growth and self-development. I learned stewardship. I learned um, what it means to be a valued friend. I also did things that were fun. I, I went paintballing. I did all these things. And that's because if you stay busy, the devil won't have that idle playground to play in. Yes. And as you grow, that's more things that that person's going to find appealing you might not be where the right person will find you appealing because you haven't allowed God to work on you enough. Wow. 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 Okay. That was a lot. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you're not good. That's the thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not a good person, yes. a loving person, a successful person yes. and all of that. But here's the thing. You can have all the riches in the world and not be where God wants you to be. Jesus. So like really you got to give yourself that opportunity to, to, to grow the way God wants you to. Yes, I totally agree. Um, so during the seven year wait, we've kind of gone through the different ebbs and flows. There's 
one segment I'm putting off to the side right now um, and putting a pin on the dating season. But one thing I want to talk about is the fact that when you move down from North Carolina to Florida, um, we talked about a good thing versus a God thing, mm-hmm. right? And I remember this was towards the end of our seven year wait because this was, was, was the time when we got back together and um, we decided, hey, we're dating with a purpose. And the purpose, of course, is marriage. And you had to, I don't want to say you had to, we weighed the pros and cons of me moving to North Carolina or you moving down to Florida. And the decision was made for you to move down to Florida. You made the decision to pretty much, pretty much take a lateral move. And for me, coming from um, a company where I have had the blessing of being promoted every two to three years, um, whether that be a change in title, and usually it was a change in title and a change in salary um, together, and then you moving down to, to Florida, what I felt was really for me and for the betterment of our uh, relationship, I want you to kind of uh, talk about um, why that decision came about and why you felt that it was necessary um, to make that move. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of a multi-layered uh, thing. First of all, my parents live about an hour and ten minutes away from where we live now mm-hmm. and they're getting older in age both of my parents have been disabled um to some degree since i was a a freshman slash sophomore in college mm-hmm. and so they were closer uh, your family lived literally 12 minutes down the street <laughs> from where we live now mm-hmm. and i love them because even though they live so close they're still so respectful of our relationship yes, in are. our household um big ups to my parents Fellas, if you are listening, I've never been a man who said that I was insecure about a woman who made more money than me. It was never about whether or not a woman made more money than me. I just wanted to make enough that if she decided that she did not want to work, that I would be able to make sure she was taken care of. Mm. And taken care of doesn't necessarily mean to the same establishment that we had when we both were working, Mm -hmm. but taking care of to the degree that she wouldn't go hungry, food would be on the table and a house would be over her head. And so you made more money than me. Yes. And and Mm -hmm. so that was something at that time that I was like, okay, she she makes more money and, and this is closer to family. And in my field, in order to grow, you got to go. Yes. Um, People don't leave good places. And I was at University of North Carolina at Charlotte, which is probably one of the best institutions that I've worked at, which means people weren't going to leave their positions easily. So Mm. while I loved my experience, I wasn't guaranteed the opportunity for a promotion. And so as I considered all these things, I might not get a promotion Families being closer. She may have to take a pay cut, which means our household would make less money. So it's not about me. It's about the household. Um, And then when we do, at that time, my mindset was when we do have children, um, we won't have to pay for childcare. I thought about all of these things and all of those things were part of the reason why I was like, all right, I think the move is for me to move down. Yes, we definitely did a pros and cons list. I remember that. Yes. 
and that's really necessary. Um, it's necessary about the next stage and phase. Uh, if you are in a relationship, if you're single, you know, it's a good time to write a pros and cons list of maybe someone that you're entertaining. Um, if you're married, um, and thinking about a divorce, it's a good time to do a pros and cons list. Cause I think that Check sometimes, that money. <laughs> that, cause I think sometimes we, um, we lose our fight. I think that's another podcast, um, topic but we lose our fight you know and it's important that you fight for your marriage you know what I well mean? you also got to know how to rejuvenate the fight yeah like a lot of people fight 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 to the point where they lose the fight because yeah, they're, they're tired. so tired of yes, fighting yeah. and and i'll tell you right now there's some things in fact i was talking to a group of, of friends that i had that sometimes you just gotta take the l and know that it's okay <laughs> to take the l because losing this fight means I'm going to win something battle. in the back, yes. back end, and, and 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 that's the goal. That's the as a as a man, sometimes we put the success of the relationship on us, and so that also doesn't mean that you have to win every fight. Sometimes that means that you got to know when to take a back seat. Yeah, totally true, and I appreciate that you're giving you dropping some gems on this podcast all right so um let's talk about the dating for a moment um based on the last episode i think that some may have felt that i made uh, dating sound like a bad thing um but really my stance on dating is it's important to date with a purpose so without a purpose um, I think it's wrong because you may be playing with people's emotions. So um, I'm all for dating and like feeling people out and that sort of thing. But once you get into the point where you realize, hey, this is not going anywhere. This is there's no purpose behind this. I think that's when we get into the danger zone. So let's talk about dating during the seven year wait, Woody. Um, be- because besides the one cycle I went through just saying, um, with dating, it wasn't really a thing for me. Um, I think I shared with people that I think the, the straw that I'm so ashamed to say this, but the straw that broke the camel's back for me is I got some advice from an innocent coworker who said, you know, you have to have a stable of men. Um, and I was just like, okay, explain to me what this stable of men, get you a team. Um, I mean, <laughs> Because uh, you see how I changed my voice so you can tell where this kind of uh, advice came from. A stable of men. Um, and so when she gave me that advice, I was like, all right, I, you know, I'm ready. Stable of men, I got this. And so for me, the the cam- the the straw that broke the camel's back for me was, you know, I went on, it was like on a Saturday. And each, I had a date for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So ashamed. Ooh, that girl had game. Go God. Ahead. It's that's horrible, <laughs> horrible. Um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and each date made me late for the next date because you know I was uh, a pretty young thing at that point, and I was changing at outfits. That point, she was still a pretty young thing. <laughs> Thank you. I was changing outfits and changing makeup and do the you know this that and the third. So each date made me late to the next date, and I was so um, annoyed because I hate being late. But to me, I was sitting at the last date, the dinner date, and I was just like, what am I doing, bro? Like, this is, to me, this is like, 
the best way I can equate this to a Bible story is the prodigal son. Like when the prodigal son was with pigs and eating in dirt and doing all of that nonsense. Fellas, she is not calling you a pig. I'm not. I'm or really saying not. you are eating with dirt. I am really but... not because they are all respectful, you know, gentlemen. Um, even on today, I would, you know, vouch for them for other people. Obviously not for myself. Um, just because our future didn't line up. You know what I mean? Um, and that's really one of the things I say to those who are in the single stage and going through dating is, hey, does this person match your future? Bruh. Do they match your future? If they don't, if you're making excuses, and I'm all for um, seeing potential in people, definitely. I'm, I'm all for that. But, like, do they match your future? Like, the characteristics, do they match your future? Does it, does it match where you're trying to go? Um, and you know, looking back, especially on that day, so embarrassing. Um, you know, those individuals didn't match my future, you know? So again, I want to say that, you know, you got to be careful about playing with people's emotions, especially when you know, Hey, this may not be going anywhere. So for you, Woody, I want to talk about the seven year wait. Um, and talk about what that dating experience were was like for you. Because I think in the intro you talked about the trials and the fails of dating. I personally want to hear the fails because it's entertaining. But whatever you want to share um, during that dating season um, that you may have experienced or, you know, and or what you've taken away or what you took away from um, that time period in your life. I mean, first, let me start off by saying that um, it's going to be very difficult, especially because we are not in the day of age where all parents, I know some cultures still do it, but where all parents already predestine who their child is going to marry. It is very difficult for some people to plan to get married, have families or anything in between when they don't leave home. If all you do is ever is go to work, come home, stay at home, go to church, come back home, stay home. Um, I saw a post recently that said the reason why you still single is because you leave right after church. Yes. Um, (laughs) you You can't expect to have anything more if you don't put yourself out there. Now, ladies, what that means, put yourself out there, is you have to put yourself out there as bait. Be available in the physical sense for them to see you in order to find you. I can't find what I don't see. Mm. And so that means that joining different organizations such as, you know, young professionals with the Urban League, joining the local African-American Chamber of Commerce, join different organizations, go salsa dance and learn how to salsa dance. Mm. Do different things in order for for you to be found in order for him to say that God gave him a good thing. Mm. Um, and so I believe in dating. Okay. Now, just because I believe in dating don't mean that I always dated the right thing. Uh, then y'all mentioned potential. I learned real quick that I don't want to f- date potential. Mm. I don't want you to have potential. I want you to be in the midst of producing. Mm. Don't tell me that you have goals of, even if, 
if a woman told me she had goals of being a singer, but she ain't never set up studio time, she don't got a vocal coach, she don't know anything about writing up verses and songs and pitch and tone, then you just, yes, that's great that somebody had you sing in the back of the church choir, but you're not going to be a singer. Yes. Um, don't, don't show up. Don't accept somebody who's showing up talking about potential. They need to be in the midst of producing. And that's something I learned real quick. I would date just like, listen, if the thing about men is that women have the opportunity to see how a man approaches them to decide whether or not they're going to date them. Are they presentable? Are they handsome? Are they this? Did they come in a respectful manner? Did their breath stink? Did they have nice this? Did they is is their hair lined up per- correctly? Um, are their clothes wrinkled? You have all of that opportunity to to evaluate a man when he approaches you. Men purely just have your looks. Yes. We decide purely off your looks. It's after the first two or three dates that we recognize. Like I'm wasting oh, my don't. money. You know what? I'm wasting my money. I can't. Or I'm really digging her. She kind of cool, and and I, I really want to get to know her exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I dated some women. You know, one of my best memories is a woman who I was pumping gas at a gas station, and I felt I she shot her shot. Okay. She came up to me like, "Hey, how you doing?" I was like, "I'm good." You know, I had a fresh Camry, 2009, Fast forward. and this was 2011, and so I, you know. It was it was a nice car called the Night Rider. But she approached me. She asked me, um, you know, about me, and so I saw that she set the bait, and I was like, "So, um, is it possible that I can get your phone number? We Mm -hmm. we don't have to have this conversation at a gas station. We can have it over dinner." She gave me her uh, her phone number. We talked for about two three days. I wasn't about wasting time. I wanted to you know get to know her, so. I asked her if she wanted to meet me for dinner. That's something that I did specifically in that season of my life because I was like, I'm not about picking women up because then I got to take them home and I ain't trying to put myself in any situations. All right. She said her car ain't working and she needed me to pick her up. My God. So cool. I asked her for her address. She told me it's not too far. It's about a half hour away. When I put in a GPS, it was an hour away. Oh, wow. On the way to her, I got hit in traffic for about an additional 30 minutes. So it took me an hour and a half to get to her. All the while, I'm letting her know I'm running late. When I finally get to her place to pick her up, I'm outside for 40 minutes because she's still not ready. Are you kidding me? If I didn't drive an hour and a half there, I probably would have left, but I had already driven there, so I waited. She got in the car, and the first thing she asked me is, ooh, I'm nervous. Do you mind if I smoke in your car? Oh, my God. I should have been like, no, you can get out right now. Nothing against you smokers, but my clothes in my car are not going <laughs> to smell like smoke. It's I just can't. not a thing for me. You know, some people smoke. That's their thing, you know, to each his own. Um, but not my house, yes. not my not my car, and not my clothes, clothes not my you. hair. And you're definitely not going to kiss me because I don't like the tar taste. Oh, my. Um, But I told her no. She was like, oh, okay. Um, We get to ask her where she would like to eat. And she was like, I don't know, someplace special like Red Lobster. (laughs) Now, that's my fault because I should have been like, okay, I know exactly where we're going to eat. But I was young and dumb and indecisive. And I let her pick, and she wanted someplace special like Red Lobster. I knew it was a wrap, 
when she ate all the biscuits and took the one off of my plate and ate it too. Oh, wow. You know, the conversations were interesting. Conversations like, um, she doesn't really want to be married. She just want to have a couple of kids. Um, she doesn't look for, uh, she don't think she's going back to school. She was recently out of the military, which I praised her for, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to, she, she really was looking for a man to take care of her, which was interesting. So you don't want a man, you only want kids, but you're looking for a man to take care of you. Hmm. All I heard was child support, child support, oh, child support. God. Um, don't blame me. It's the season of life that I was in. And so, you know, dating for me was ebbs and flows. Again, I had the, I've dated, I've dated, um, Lawyers. I've date. I dated a woman who's now a lawyer. I dated a woman who's now a doctor. Who was a doctor at the time. So you was dating, dating. Oh, I was. I was taking women out on dates. Um, because I had a bar that they needed to meet. Mm-hmm. I wonder who set that. <laughs> um, I had a bar for for them to meet, and I was interested in. And so I was willing to put myself out there. I dated teachers and educators and doctors and lawyers. I dated. Um, women who didn't have college degrees and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. And, but there were some that were good. There were some that I needed to run from mm-hmm. with a quickness. And so do you have any funny stories? Uh, the, the, the funniest one is a woman who we talked on the phone for a while and she told me she couldn't cook. And I told her I couldn't be with a woman who couldn't cook. And so after about a couple of weeks of talking, she she told me she was going to cook for me. So I was like, oh, so you lied. You were holding back. You a whole chef. You, you a whole chef. You a yes. whole chef. Yes. And so I, she invited me over to her house. Um, I told her it would have to be early. We, we got over there. I got over to her house about 6 o'clock, and she still was preparing dinner. And I asked her if she mind if I sit at the breakfast bar. She was like, of course. So I'm watching her cook. And she pulls out the chicken out the package. Mm-hmm. She does wash her chicken, okay, with just water. Okay. Um, and I'm um, my parents are from the islands, and so we believe in a little bit of lemon or lime, right. some vinegar, and you know, let the season marinate. Mm-hmm. And she let her see her chicken marinate. Okay. Yeah, she pulled out a bottle of cherry wine Coke. What? Put the chicken in a bowl and poured the cherry wine into, and she was preparing to make. Cherry wine chicken. You mean cherry coke? Cherry coke. Cherry wine coke. The, the coke is called cherry wine. Oh my! It's cherry wine, cherry wine, something like that. It, it's really big in North Carolina. Okay. Um. So she poured it over her chicken as over a marinade, and that's what the chicken was going to marinate in. Oh Jesus! Help us, Lord. She dashed us. it with a little bit of salt and pepper oh, God. and some soda. Now, I like my chicken with a side of soda, but not my chicken marinated <laughs> in soda. And I wasn't sure what was exactly happening, but all of a sudden I was full. Yeah, you were like, I you was know, like, I I'm no, 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 no. You know, some snacks. What I did is I went and stood in the kitchen and while she was cooking, I was like, you know, when you be cooking, sometimes you don't be hungry anymore. Yeah. After a, yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. So let's just talk. Please, please. Potential really smart woman. Who, but who, if I had to eat that for the rest of my life, Lord save me. No, 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 no. Um, Just that was just an interesting date in itself. That is hilarious. Um, It was more scary. Hilarious. Okay, so my final question for you is what verse, scripture, quote, 
helped you during um, the season? After a strong season of dating, I found myself, um, I had a really bad experience with a young lady, um, just did not sit well with me, and and she was trying to better herself, but she needed, I, I really think that she needed some help, and it just was eye-opening for me, and I had a conversation with God, and we all know that we be telling God, like, God, if you get me out of this situation, I <laughs> never do it again. Right. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even lie to him like that. I was like, you know what, God, you know what it is that I want. You Mm -hmm. know what I desire. I'm no longer going to force the hand. Mm. I'm no longer going to get out here and and try to push that dating onto my life. I I said, you know, I'm giving this up to you. And I knew that I gave up, gave it all up to God because other women, um, other people who I tried to go on dates with started calling me up and I started telling them I'm too busy. Mm. I started putting them to the side because I was like, no, 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 I'm going to focus on God. And, mm-hmm. the, and the verse that came to me strongly was Jeremiah 24 verse seven, which is I will give them a heart to know me mm. for I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God mm. for they will return to me wow. with their whole heart. And I had really given God my whole heart at that time. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I don't want to date anymore. Now, I don't know if God knew that this boy can only last but so long. Mm -hmm. But approximately two months later, Danielle gave me a call. And we had not talked for quite some time. The Lord answers prayers. And (laughs) it was at that time that I was like, okay, God, I I see you. Mm Mm-hmm. I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So um, a lot of nuggets on this uh, week's podcast. Self-development, self-growth, um, making sure that your prayer life is strong, trusting the process, balancing self, um, not only physical but mental, that timing is everything. Uh, we talked about what we can do during the seven-year wait and being in a place of full surrender to God. I think once your mind shifts and you are in a season where you are in full surrender to God, that is when his glory manifests in our life. And so um, I hope that you have received something out of this podcast. I want to thank Woody for being on this episode of the Infertility Podcast. We will definitely have him back on to talk about the male perspective of infertility. But I want to um, thank him for talking about his experience during what I called the seven-year wait. Chill. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, I appreciate it. I I just want to thank you for allowing me on here Mm -hmm. and for people tuning in and listening. And hopefully I wasn't too boring. No, you were good. (laughs) And I want to leave you guys with Philippians 4 verse 6 which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, be prayerful and with petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. God is not deaf. He hears your prayers. He hears your cries in whatever season that you may be in, and he will bring his plan into fruition for your life. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. 
Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.